0: Now joining us is uh, infielder and shortstop extraordinaire, the man that allowed the Orioles to move Cal Ripken from short to third, and that is Mike Bordick of the Masson Broadcast Booth. Mike, how are you?
1: Hey,
0: I'm good. Good morning. Happy New Year. Merry Christmas. All the same to you, my friend. Thank you, Mike. Last time uh, we we had a narrative going. Uh, a couple times we talked this summer that we asked whether you'd be interested in managing the Baltimore Oriole baseball team. And the first time, I think you, like, really poo-pooed it because it was early in the year. Uh, But then as the season wore on and you kind of sensed that Buck wasn't going to be back, you sort of were open to that. Uh, Did you ever enter into any discussions with Mike Elias or the new regime uh, about your candidacy? I actually I sent an email yep. to uh, Mike Elias and
1: he was uh, very open and and prompt and basically said that he was going to be looking outside the organization. Okay. So I appreciated uh, his honesty and candor and and uh, understood you know why he wanted to uh, head in that direction and so I'm excited about. You know, the new hirings and and, uh, just a fresh new look, right, for the Orioles.
0: You know, there's been a lot of talk the past couple weeks, and and Brandon Hyde certainly hasn't sort of dismissed it, but there was some talk about whether or not they'd consider some of the old coaching staff. And at least the early returns are, uh, the two names we do know is catching instructor uh, Tim Cousins or Cousins, uh, who he worked with in the Cub organization, and Jose Flores, who he also worked in the Cubs organization with, who was last year uh, Gabe Kapler's first base coach. So, so far the look is outside the organization. Can you talk a little bit about the pros and the cons of going outside the organization and perhaps maybe still trying to get one guy that's familiar with what's been going on here? Well... I, yeah, I, I mean, I think,
1: uh, it's beneficial, obviously, if you have some people that have been around the organization. I, I think just to help give familiarity and, and help, uh, you would think to help everybody kind of get off on the right foot and understanding a little bit, give them a, a, a lead in the evaluation process on, on especially some players and maybe how to handle them. But, I just I think um, obviously from the get go, Mike Elias wanted just a fresh new look in the organization, a a fresh feel, Um, and I think there's probably going to be changes, you know, throughout in the minor leagues as well as far as uh, the message that that they want to send and and promote. And I think you have to respect that. You also have to respect the fact that uh, you know the Angelos is made this type of commitment and thought that there was such a need for the whole organization to really, to re- get regrouped and revamped uh, in a major way. So, so obviously, I mean, there's going to be a, a little time, obviously, to let the dust settle with everything. But, uh, you know, obviously, I think it's a smart group of people and, and the ability to evaluate and recognize and, and understand what players are, ab- are all about. Is really the the key to to any successful manager and general manager. You, you have to know your players. So their goal, um, as far as bringing a whole new staff in, it you know is the anticipation and the expectation that they're going to be able to communicate well the message that they want to give these uh, the players. And, and and hopefully get everybody pulling the same way, you know. When you get, I don't care what talent level you have, if everybody's going in the right direction and everybody's picking each other up, um, there's going to be success. And, you know, it's just going to make for a positive environment. And that's the goal here with Brandon Hyde and Mike Elias. And, and I know some of the guys, like myself included, that will be, you know, on the fringe to some degree. Um, I, I support that. I mean, sure, I think it hurts the, you know, just the, in your heart um, for the guys that have been here. You say the dedication that the coaching staff had, uh, the old Oriole coaches. And, and uh, you know, you hope things turn out well for them. I know it's tough. Nowadays, yep. there's a big turnover. Um, but there's a lot of good people that, you know, deserve to have opportunities um, in the baseball industry and to help uh, continue to
2: develop good players. Hey, Mike, the game has changed so much over the course of the last 30 to 40 years. But one of the strengths of the old Orioles was the fact that throughout the minor league system, the game was taught the same way to each and every player. Now, in, you know, basically the, the, the what they used to call the Oriole way. With Elias being hired and him bringing on Brandon Hyde, both of these guys talked about this at their press conferences, how they want the uniformity within the organization to take place with all players that, as you said, being on the same page. How important is that now in this day and age of baseball, as opposed to maybe when you played or even a little bit before that, in terms of the continuity and in terms of making sure everybody's on the same page, being taught the game the right way? Yeah, well, I think it's
1: crucial importance, and I think it always has been. You know, any time you have an organization, um, you're going to want consistency and and a consistent message and continuity from top to bottom. And, you know, I think we've talked about this before. I was lucky enough to come up with the Oakland A's that, that really had that. And, and at the time, they were considered one of the better organizations in the game and really type of organization that other organizations tried to, uh, you know, exemplify. So, you know, y- you need that. You really do from top to bottom. And I think something that bodes very well, obviously, for the Orioles, the fact that, that Mike Elias has a scouting background. And I, I think the Orioles have been criticized, maybe unjustly, but... Um, some of the drafts that they've had i know they've had to do some trading along the way and we've lost some of the top draft arms anyway but um you know i think elias has a good feel and track record there so signing quality players so you get a good feel uh through the scouting department on the character the makeup of these guys and and can you develop will they develop for you well you know because it only takes a couple bad apples, right, to ruin uh something that you have great intentions for. So I think the character of players really plays into this type of philosophy and um something that players understand. So it's got to be basically pretty simple stuff, I think. And it, the bottom line really has got to be winning, but My- also understanding – there has to be player development
2: yeah
1: at at every level so I think that kind of bodes well from single a up through the big leagues the fact that if you're able to be coached and and you prove that you know you should be able to rise through the minor leagues I mean you got to give those kids the opportunities and I think that's what's what you're going to see guys that can make the jumps show consistency they're going to get opportunities in the big leagues I don't Know that it's going to be more just the the top picks. I think everybody's on the same page now.
0: Mike, one of the things, and you were at the press conference where Brandon Hyde's uh, hiring was announced, and he used a phrase which I think surprised some, shocked some, that even the Cubs in their World Series year, there was a lot of teaching of young players at the big league level. And that's something you haven't heard that much talked about And I look at the first two coaches, and both of them, in addition to Brandon Hyde, all three of them, Cousins, Flores, and Brandon Hyde, have extensive backgrounds in player development. At the big league level, what are we talking about? What kinds of things are being taught at that point?
1: Well, ultimately, it's just consistency. Establishing proper work routines. And staying with that type of plan, I think uh, when a team kind of loses that guidance, that mm-hmm. leadership, which typically is on the shoulders of the veteran players, um, you know, if, if you don't have that type of work atmosphere where it's fun to come in and, and see your best players, you know, taking extra work, getting their ground balls the right way, getting fly balls, spending their time in the batting cage, just trying to make themselves better mm-hmm. every day. You know, if if that's happening, it's gonna be a great place to play. It's gonna be a great working environment and that's the goal of Brandon Hyde, but the the key I think is to have your your more established players, the veteran guys, have that type of makeup, have that character. I mean we saw it with Adam Jones. Adam Jones when he was leading this team You know, he was the guy hustling down the line. He was the guy in the batting cage. He was the guy getting on the younger players. And then I think there was a transition where, unfortunately, you know, Adam maybe lost his step, and Manny started emerging as maybe the better player, one Mm -hmm. of the top players, obviously, in in all of baseball. And I think Adam kind of said, all right, let the top dog lead the way. And Manny certainly didn't have that type of, uh, leadership characteristics that Adam Jones did. So that's where there's inconsistency. So if you can keep guys on the same page and have your veterans showing them the right way, and maybe even jumping on some young guys, keeping them on that you know on that path to the championship, then good things can can certainly happen. But player development at the major league level, you know, I it, it's a must. But it's basically Just continuing to establish routine, keeping guys positive, and understanding the ups and downs of a 162-game season. You know, you really have to understand that, most
0: importantly. I I look at the uh, Houston Astros, and I look at how when when they made trades for players, the players came over there, and I'm talking mostly about three in particular deals, Verlander, Garrett Cole, and Ryan Presley. Now, all three were pitchers, uh, but I'm sure we could find some examples of batters. They seem to not only acquire good talent, but the talent that they think they have a way to bring more out of them. Do you think there is a way for the analytics and teaching to work with getting Chris Davis straightened out somewhat? I'm not saying we'll ever get him back to 50 and 115 again. Uh, but do you think that they might have some ideas that if he's open to, uh, might help him reestablish himself?
1: Well, I, I would hope so. Yeah. You know, I, I think for, for Chris, I think it's just more of uh harnessing the mental game, mm-hmm. you know, and I think, you know, that's part of player development too. And, and even veteran players go through down times. Now, Obviously, Davis is trending the last couple of years downward, but it's unbelievable how much confidence plays into the game of baseball, you know? And, and I think Chris has that ability because I saw him flip out home runs just like you guys did with one hand when he was, yeah when he was Crush Davis, when he was walking up there as the, the best power hitter in the American League, sticking his chest out and, you know, just flipping bad balls out of the ballpark. So he has that ability. He might not be that prototypical, you know, perfect swing every time, but he certainly has the ability to run into 40 balls and hit 40 home runs. Well, I'm encouraged
2: encouraged when we heard both Elias and, 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 you know, and some of the others in the organization talk about, you know, we want to find out this spring if we can fix Chris Davis. And I I still think there's a – quite the possibility that can happen i'm not certainly going to give up on him in any way shape or form
1: yeah well you can't and like i said man if it's really just your how you hold yourself mentally yeah. you know how can you hold yourself accountable as far as keeping true to your work habits and when times go tough you can't go reaching for different things all the time but it's all part of just that that human nature thing that baseball players go through and every guy has done that unfortunately you know chris just got himself into a a rut uh, that he just couldn't get out of and and unfortunately as well you know he was public about it he, he let it yeah. be known yeah. he would tell people and that just you know i don't know in some ways that that might have made it even tougher cuz everybody could feel his pain <laughs> you
2: know yeah man oh, man well, you admire the honesty for sure, uh, but y- you know you have to just wonder with the lack of production, so that weighs on him, the fact that the contract is there, and i 'm sure that 's weighing on him, and the fact that he feels like he 's not earning the
0: contract that he signed uh, that, that 's a lot to carry around with you. Let me just jump in and ask you a question, and Of course, it was a bit self serving as Scott Boris. But at the same time, Chris was struggling at, like, the 165 level as a batting average, which is unbelievable. Uh, Bryce Harper was struggling at around 225, 230. And Scott Boris, who represents both of them and some other power left-handed hitters, came out and said that baseball should really do something about the shift because it was discriminatory, uh, particularly against left-hand power hitters. My point in asking you this, Mike, is how much does that play on your head where Chris Davis, maybe if he's batting 220 or 230, isn't pressing as much as hitting 165, 170? And that. Uh, my point being that the shifts cause that batting average partly to be that low.
1: Yeah, well, definitely. I mean, it, that's part of the mental challenge of the game. Yep. Do, you, do you have the ability to make those adjustments? Now, for Boris to come out and <laughs> say that's discriminatory <laughs> against the left-handed hitters, come on, man. It's baseball. Make the adjustment. That's what it's all about. Right. If you can't make the adjustment at the major league level, you're not a major league player. Period. That, that's why it's such a special place to be. Right. Now, listen to me. I hit 130 for two months in the big leagues when I first came over here to the, to the Orioles, and it was pressure-induced, mm-hmm. self-induced pressure, you know, because I was a contact guy anyway. Oh, we remember. So like, fine, we boy. remember. <laughs> yeah. So it's, it's self-induced. I'm yeah. telling you. Every, every player that's played in the major leagues has had so many at-bats, so many ground balls. It's how do you handle the stresses, That come, which are even more powerful now with the social media. If you read that stuff, Uh, mm -hmm. if you get involved with it, it's, you're just gonna, it's gonna bounce around in your head and, and it's too foggy. You need clarity as an offensive player. You gotta see the ball. You gotta hit the ball. You can't think about, you know, trying to get out of a, a slump or anything like that with one swing of the bat. There just has to be consistency. That's why routine is so important in this game. I mean,
2: it is critical um, in all facets. Hey, Mike, let me ask you this real quick. We've known you over the last few years to be uh, down on the field with the club and, you know, taking grounders, helping guys out. Will you still continue in that capacity or not?
1: I hope so. I mean, I would love to. I mean, ultimately, I think my goal is to get back on the field. I, I mean, I'm a teacher by trade. That's what I went to college for. So I love You know, helping, instructing. I've learned from a lot of great managers and coaches. I was fortunate enough to be around, you know, Buck and uh, Bobby Dickerson for the last eight years. So I've learned, I've learned so much. um, And I I mean, I think uh, it's invaluable to have guys that have had experience, uh, especially at the major league level um, and just understanding really what it takes to uh, raise that bar, you know, I think internally uh, and individually to be able to go out there and perform um, every night. I just think, you know,
0: a lot of guys don't understand what it takes to be that
1: type of consistent major league player.
0: We're talking with Mike Bordick. And, Mike, before we let you go, and we really appreciate your helping us uh, end uh, the the 2018 year uh, on a good note here. By chatting baseball with us. The things you talk about in baseball, in baseball playing, you know, uh, you know, commitment and consistency and effort. At, were you able to carry those over into your broadcast career? In other words, do you take the same pride in how you played the game as to now how you analyze and communicate with fans?
1: Man, I hope so. Cause I, uh, I don't want to embarrass anybody. That's for darn sure. There's too many good people that work uh, for Mathen, mm-hmm. um, our producer, Don, uh, who get you guys know. I mean, Gary, Jim, Jim Palmer, Jim Hunter, I mean, all those guys. They're, they're such great pros that it would be doing them a huge disservice if I didn't prepare like I always have. And I, and I try to. I try to do. You know, just be ready, ready for the game, and uh, I get those same type of emotions you know yeah. if i'm if I'm a little behind, I get anxiety, uh, I get excited about big series, hey, it's just part of the competition, so uh yeah, I definitely I thrive on that stuff, and I believe wholeheartedly in in preparation. I think uh, everybody needs that.
0: It's interesting. It's interesting to make the comparison. You know, you're you're never the player you were in year one that you are in year five or six. And I think in changing over to broadcasting, there's a growing period. And I think you've come out on the top end of that growing period, Mike. I, no, I appreciate you, do, you saying that. I think that. you do a, a, a very very good job at the. Uh, At the game analysis. As opposed
2: to the first two months with the Orioles when you were hitting
0: 130. 130. (laughs) (laughs) Right, exactly. (laughs) Hey, we appreciate it once again, and we'll look forward to seeing you probably at FanFest in a couple weeks. All right? Yeah, absolutely. Thanks for having me, guys. Happy healthy New Year Year to you and your family. Yeah, you too. All right. There you go.